Welcome to the Recovery Guys podcast. I am a humbled follower of Jesus, and I am in recovery, and I struggle with anger, pride, and food. And my name is Matt. Hey, Matt. I am a grateful and humbled follower of Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery, and I struggle with approval addictions. My name is Todd. Hey, Todd. Hey. We're back in that old church basement. <laughs> you know, they were calling for storms today. I'm like, we're going to get there and start to record, and the, the heavens are going to open. <laughs> and then people are going to think that, well, God's really serious in this podcast. Right? <laughs> What's more than likely is the power's going to go out. Yeah, or Matt's mic will fall. <laughs> Just plunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you hear a thud, it's not Matt, it's the microphone. <laughs> All right. Now, um, Todd, we we started our podcast. Okay? Yeah. Episode two is here, and we're Dos. so glad that uh, you're joining us for, for the podcast. Yeah. And we started again with an introduction that may be new to, to people. They may have not heard an introduction. They thought if they listened to episode one, hey, we already know who you are, <laughs> and this sounds very similar. So just by way of repetition, that's so important for us. Why do we introduce ourselves this way, and, and why is that important? Yeah, so the quick, the quick explanation is, um, you know, the first part of our introduction is my identity in Christ. You know, when I am uh, pursuing a right relationship and I'm invested in discipleship, what, what do I look like? What does that appear like? And for me, it's grateful because God didn't leave me where he found me. And humbled. I'm continually humbled. So when I'm in a good place with God, I, I'm grateful and humbled. And then the second part is, you know, we're in recovery and we name our struggles. And the, the best way I've learned to understand this and explain it to other people is, you know, when you think about your life, regardless of the status of your relationship with Christ, what seems to be the thing that pulls you away from that identity? And so for me, it's approval addictions. When I start when I start hustling for affirmation, when I start trying to get um, approval and recognition from man, man, that's when selfishness kicks in and all the stuff that just, it just pulls me away from the version of me that Jesus Christ and God created me to be. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's why we do our introductions. And, you know, the last thing I'll say about that, if, if you're familiar with recovery, you know this. If you're not, it's a cool thing to see if you ever get involved in recovery is when people first start, they tend to say that part about their struggle with their head down because it's got shame behind it and guilt. And over time, um, they start to get invested and they start to do work and God starts to do work in them. It doesn't mean their life turns around immediately, but there is a hopefulness that shows up. And after a while, then it becomes, I struggle with this means I'm in the fight, right? God's in my corner and I'm, I'm working on this and I don't want to be the same. Absolutely right. Yeah. Thank you for giving that um, brief explanation. And we do. We It's a centering practice yeah. and something that we just will come back to over and over again. Uh, now, we, we do like to start every episode, as we have now for a total of one episode, <laughs> um, ask an initial question. So this is uh, completely off, off the cuff. Okay, yeah. I, I did not prepare you for not this. Not at all. Right. So it's either going to sail or bomb. Yes. One of the yeah. Two. Yeah. It'll yeah. either be deleted or will be the best <laughs> moment in podcast history. So you're going to find out right now. Here we um, go. My my question for you, uh, since it's been it's really been a couple of weeks since you and I have been able to connect. Yep. And so I'm just wondering, what have you been learning in your recovery just in recent days? Just mm. you know, briefly, what what have you been returning to? What have you been learning? What's God been teaching? Yeah, so man, that's a great question and timely because I'm, I'm going to be brief and there's a lot there's a lot underneath this. Yeah, and Matt knows it because I stay in accountability and and just support with each other. Um, some really cool and yet kind of sudden, really pretty unexpected changes in our family involving our oldest son, which is really cool for mm -hmm. him. Uh, he moved, and it, but you know his parents, it was. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 mm -hmm. <laughs> many O's, right? Mm -hmm. 
And his, his mother responded poorer to it than I did, but not, not even really poor, different. We're different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a much more heavily emotional period of time for her and still is. Um, on both ends of the spectrum, joy, really excited, fear, right? And so what I was reminded of <laughs> during the last couple of weeks and that I, because I've got a couple of really great guys around me, Matt's one of them, uh, my sponsor in recovery is another one who just continually reminded me, sit in your own emotion, right? Because I had my own emotional response to our son moving away. Yeah. Uh, but because it happened quickly and because it was, it was very hard for my wife and it was hard on our son and it was hard on other members of our family as well. I went head mode, right? Cause that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the difference between me and head mode now as compared to in my insanity is in my insanity, I would be offering everybody answers and solutions and telling them what to do. Um, fortunately God has done enough work in me that he kept my mouth shut for the most of it. And, being supportive just meant paying close attention, listening to everybody, understanding where people were, and then just sitting in that space with them. Really, just sitting in that space. But it meant that I had to stay mostly in my head, right? Yeah. And being in contact with you guys, it was it was very, very valuable and uh, affirming for me. <clears throat> I have my own emotion, so stay with it. Don't be afraid to just sit with it. And I have had the opportunity. And um, so I was a good reminder. It was a good reminder. Mm. I'm going to turn that back on you, Matt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So nobody said the question had to be always in one direction, that's, oh, that's right? that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna tweak it just a little bit, though. Okay. All right. So since our last talk, our last opportunity to work on a podcast together, um. Same theme, what have you learned or what have you been reminded of in since that time? But was there anything that kind of blindsided you? Not in a hurtful or negative way, but was kind of like, oh, wow, oh, wow I kind of forgot that that happens. Absolutely. Um, and, and I say that having had no preparation yeah. for your uh, side... Um, side approach question. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the last uh, few weeks, one of the things that I've recognized and, and really I, I would say that that's a great uh, word to use blindsided yeah. by was this uh, reality and, and truth that I was ignoring, which is uh, how important and central it is for me to regularly engage in the practices that center my recovery. Mm. And, and for me, one of those practices is the regular habit of reading God's Word. Yeah. And so I went through during, you know, over the last uh, few weeks, a season of just not regularly engaging and almost getting to the point at the end where I, I was saying, I don't want to. Mm. And I had some conversations with my wife who uh, wisely just inserted some, some uh, pieces into my story and, and questions uh, that in the moment I didn't respond very well to, <laughs> but then uh, returned back and said, thank you for, for asking yeah. me these things. And, and here was the learning. It, it, it wasn't, um, oh, th- this is really important for me to regularly read God's Word or um, or that, oh my goodness, it, I, I get so much out of doing that. Of course, those things are true. Sure. The blindsiding uh, happened when I realized that I was, um, I was approaching my recovery by way of saying it's a destination. Ah. And that I had, in some ways, yeah. arrived yeah. and that I did not want to go any further. So I was there, and I am okay with where I'm at right now, and and I'm good. Yeah. And I think it was, I, in just thinking about it right now, there that's a prideful response, mm-hmm. right? And it is. It's also something that just that I, I needed to be reminded of, mm-hmm. which is that recovery is not 
an end destination. There are mile markers along the way. It's mm-hmm. not to say there's not a journey there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you celebrate victories and sobriety. Absolutely. And those things are really important. So it's not, not to say there's no mile markers. Right. But to say there is not an end destination where you hear the voice right. that says, you have arrived. Right. <laughs> right. If, if there is one, then it is only one, and it's the ultimate one of hearing Jesus say, well done. It's right? interesting that you say that. I have to insert this really quickly yeah. here, because it, for those of you who don't know Matt and I and our story, or if you don't know men or women in recovery and you've not heard these things kind of evolve. Okay, so minor digression for just a little bit here, because this it. is the stuff that gets Matt and I excited yeah. about recovery. The work that God does in recovery, right? Um, <laughs> things start occurring in life that when we <laughs> talk about them together, suddenly one of us starts smiling and we know the look, which is, it's funny that you say that. <laughs> yep. Because, you know, the secular world, the, the non-believing world goes, oh, what a funny coincidence. Sure. Right? But if you really are pursuing, if you are really changed in your understanding of faith in God, you realize that that just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. The weaver is constantly at work. Right? So the reason I, okay, so you're talking about um, there's only one recovered, right? Mm-hmm. I had a conversation in our most recent step study meeting Saturday. And essentially the question was posed, well, when do you feel like, uh, to me, when when do you feel like, you know, recovery really is accomplished? And I said, I just smiled and I said, dirt nap. <laughs> 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 and and God bless him. He's a, he's such a thoughtful guy, but he's he's really pretty pragmatic. And he looked at me like, I don't, I don't understand. And I said, dirt nap. And he said, he's, I, I said, elbows touching pine. <laughs> uh, so it yeah. does not, I'm so, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that, yeah. you know, that, uh, yeah, that, that thing shows up. So the other thing too, we want to, we should touch on really quick, by the way, thank you for sharing Matt. Yeah. Uh, you weren't ready for that question and you handled it like a trooper. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, what you handled like is a man in recovery. Yeah. And so there's one other thing, too. I remember the other thing I want to make sure we talk about, Matt. Um, We're talking about recovery. We're talking about celebrate recovery. We're talking about 12 principles, eight steps. We're talking about something that started uh, in a church, Saddleback Church in California. There's hopefully hundreds of people listening to this podcast. Yeah, oh, wow. And maybe hundreds of people who are in recovery because it's called a Recovery Guys podcast. Right. We both hope... Not to glorify us, not to further us, not to meet some sort of you know, like goal that we have for this podcast. Because our ultimate goal is to glorify God yeah. and, and to hopefully just give back and pay forward as much as he can the work that he's done in us. Mm-hmm. But for those of you, anybody listening to this, because you, you just played, I don't know, podcast roulette one night and this showed up on your phone and you keep hearing us talk about recovery. I want to, I want to say this just really, really quickly. Celebrate recovery. If you don't know what it is, jump online, look at celebrate recovery, check it out. Just read about the ministry. It's a, it's a worldwide national international ministry. It's amazing work. It is not just for addictions. And the best way I've heard this expressed is that it really is recovery for a life separated from Christ. And, and all the stuff that comes with it and, and, and interacts with it. So anybody who's not heard episode one for some odd reason and you're yeah. checking on episode two, that's when we say recovery, that's recovery. It's recovering a life separated from Christ. Yeah. And you can get those resources online on yeah. Facebook. Uh, just look for Celebrate Recovery. And uh, you can uh, go on their website, CelebrateRecovery.com, and even find where a local group is meeting near you. There are thousands and thousands of Celebrate Recovery. And the great part is most of them now across the, um, at least the country, are starting to reopen, you know, coming back from COVID. So, um, yeah, 2020 was rough on you and it was rough on a lot of people. And you're looking for something to address a broken part of your life. Just really urge you to be prayerful about it, read about it, 
talk to somebody about it, but just try it. Just yeah. try it. So let, let me touch on, on why you should try it. And I'm going to try and link that to what you shared earlier. And, yeah. and the phrase that came up for me as you were sharing just what you've been learning and experiencing recently was get curious about your story. Mm. And that's, that's uh, actually a phrase. The first counselor I think that I ever met with yeah. um, said, Matt, you need to get curious about your story. Had no clue what he was talking about. Yeah. And uh, that would be my encouragement to those of you who are listening. Get curious yeah. and see where that might lead you. And what I heard from you was, oh, there's that curious about your story happening yeah. in terms of where you were in that space and yeah. where you needed to sit and your own emotions and those things. And right. so thanks for modeling that uh, well yeah. for me. Um, and uh, one of the things that we talked about, we said, we're, we're going to talk about recovery in the yeah. podcast. And, and specifically in this episode, we are going to talk about that journey of recovery and the journey of recovery and self-awareness in mm -hmm. particular. And we decided because uh, when we were first kind of charting out things, we said, oh, you, you know what we should do? We should we should talk about the journey of self-awareness and what it looks like, where it starts, where it ends, all of those things. Uh, the things that we just said were uh, in terms of an end, totally bogus. Um, <laughs> we were going to do it anyway. We're, yeah. and, and then we came across this idea of why don't we illustrate those things by just sharing our own story? Yeah. And so that's what we're going to do here in, in this episode. And one of the things that I want to underscore uh, I actually I take this word picture from one of my favorite authors, Seth Godin, a blogger and, and New York Best Times, New York Best Times seller. Nice. Um, New York Times bestseller, mm -hmm. uh, Seth Godin, um, said that the map is not the territory. Oh, that's great. And we don't share these stories to be the map for you listening. This is not the map. Again, this is not to glorify our story or what God's done in us, it's to glorify him. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not to specifically lay out this. It has to happen this way. Um, it is just the territory right. that we walked. And you will, uh, because if, if you've been around recovery, you will have heard many stories. Mm -hmm. And there's learning that happens there. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, you said in the first, uh, our first episode, you talked about everybody in recovery, right? should should tell their story there's there's power in in the stories <clears throat> so like matt said just to reiterate our story is our story mm -hmm. it, it, it's the map that's been unfolding in front of us and can, continues to do so it's not your map if you hear something in here that's like oh wow that sounds familiar this is what we've learned about uh, one of the things we've learned in our time in recovery a anytime a man or a woman tells even part of their story what we kind of call our mini money, right? Mm -hmm. um, somebody new to recovery, newer to recovery, just getting really some momentum in recovery, or somebody who's never been to a, a CR meeting or heard this kind of testimony. It's just been our experience that somebody is going to hear some part or parts of our story, and it's going to be like we're telling their story. It's it's you know it's an old it's an it's almost like an old cliche. When you hear, especially people in my field, we talk about, oh, people go to group counseling and group sessions. And one of the most important um, mile markers for them is to realize, oh, I'm not the only person who's gone through that. That's never a cliche. That is never, it should never right. be used as one. It's not a cliche. Um, my first time of hearing a testimony is a man who had a very similar struggle, who a man who ended up being paramount in my early recovery. And I sat there going, I, I honestly, I, he felt that way. Like really that happened to him and he felt that way. Cause I know exactly what that's like. Mm -hmm. And, and so this is, this is the part where I can't tell you as a human what that does, but I do know that in a Christ centered recovery program, which is what celebrate recovery is when that window opens, the Holy spirit starts setting up shop. And it's not all comforting. <laughs> it's not all easy. But when 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 a person hears another person's story and there's a resonance in their stories and in their experiences, man, we've seen it happen. It's, Holy Spirit comes in and just starts setting up shop. 
And then suddenly there's a compulsion to do more. There's a desire to want more. And then things like calendars start changing and more, no more people get involved. And next thing you know, you're surrounded by people who only have one agenda, and that is for you to find your way back to that that wholeness place again with Christ. Yeah, that to reverse that separation. Yeah, to bring yeah. close the gap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, once that, once the 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 as the sole of your foot touches the yeah. heart of the earth, and you realize that the ground you're walking on, somebody else has walked on, and then in the process, not only have you heard the story, you go, man, this this feels like the same yeah. kind of hill, and then next week you look to your right and the person's walking next to you. Yep. And, you know, the next week somebody's pushing you from behind or pulling right. you from the front. Right. And, and that's what's, that is what happens over we and over. We see it. Yep. That's what happens when we share stories. And yeah. so, um, uh, Todd, I, I'm going to ask you to, to start. Yeah. K- kick us off. Yeah. So share your story. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> for, for either dramatic effect Right. <laughs> or or to help illustrate um, how I had to kind of walk back from wreckage, which was insanity, uh, to wholeness, um, which is where I'm continue to pursue in recovery. Uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of tell this story in a reverse order. Okay. So instead of starting, well, you know, when I was four, <laughs> I'm going to start with, just a few years ago, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about where I was, and then we're going to go back to the process of how I wound up there. This is what I call the J.J. Abrams approach, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So, where I ended up, essentially, where my recovery journey started, but where I wound up. Okay. Um, a marriage of 25 years, absolutely on the ropes. Um, in some ways, not broken, but breaking. Uh, a great deal of that was codependency that had developed between my wife and I, um, but but more so, kind of a kind of a litany of me bombing pretty badly on things, um, unfaithfulness in various ways, uh, but but just just a breaking marriage. 25 years, um, the, the woman that I had been in love with literally for 30 years, uh, the person in my life that least deserved to be hurt was hurting the most. Um, our family were, was again, not broken, but breaking. Uh, we have three kids and our oldest had moved out in part because of the frustration of the anxiety and tension in the home. Um, our, our two younger ones vacillating anywhere from holding it together to incredibly unstable and wounded. Uh, and I was actually separated from them by my foolishness and my own choice. Um, and then essentially it tipped over. Truth got revealed. Uh, and it was the first time in my life that it was truth that was inescapable. I could not charm my way out of it. I couldn't justify my way out of it. And there was nobody who didn't know it. Huh. So it, it blew up. Like literally it blew up. Um, and for the first time in my life, the image of me that I had groomed so immaculately for decades was wasted. Like it just, uh, like gossamer, it just came apart, right? Uh, nowhere to hide from it. It was out. And I remember one particular afternoon, like literally, I don't mean this, this is not the dramatic effect part, like literally crying harder than I maybe ever remember crying. And just like I was caving into myself and asking myself over and over and over again out loud, what kind of person am I? What kind of person am I? What kind of person am I? Uh, And it was to just realize that I had been not living a lie. I had been living a series of lies for a long time. Uh, that's where I was. That's where I wound up. Uh, the irony is part of how I got there was 
either avoiding self-awareness and paying attention to truth uh, or distorting it so badly, right, that um, it, it eventually became the reason that everything came apart, right? Um, and only then when it like blew up in my hands and, and I was outed, just outed, right? Outed. Only then did I, did I ask the question, who am I? Like, really, who am I against? Who, who am I? What kind of person have I become? Um, <laughs> brief moment of levity. Uh, I would, I would highly advise against that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're like, Ooh, taking notes, wait till you get to the point where your life is, I would, I would advise against it to start to ask yeah. yourself the question of who am I really? <laughs> right. Um, and, and, and here's the weird, here's a super ironic part. I always desired and intended to become a man of integrity my whole life, my whole life. I had uh, male models, including my dad, who I just saw as just men of integrity. And that's who I wanted to be. Um, And I ended up exactly the opposite, just exactly the opposite. So here's the JJ Abrams part. So how do they get there? Right? How do they get there? I can tell you it didn't happen overnight. Right. And, and I'm not going to go into the details, but I'm going to go into the process, essentially, a distillation of the process. And this is the stuff that I've learned significantly through recovery. Um, so I spent most of my adult life trying to be more special, bigger, better, um, affirmed, confirmed, <laughs> reaffirmed, approved, you name it. Right. There's a scene in this movie. Um, I'm going to totally admit it. The Greatest Showman. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. There's, dude, uh, the, the, that character of <laughs> that PT, I get that cat. Like, I get that cat, right? There's the scene where at the very, very end, spoiler alert, where he says, I always wanted to be more. And his wife says, all I ever wanted was you to be who you were supposed to be. You know, so I like the always more, always more, always more. That was my almost all of my adult life. And I'm talking adult life. I'm going to be generous and say like 15 on. Okay. Yeah. Um, so some people might say, well, what's wrong with that? Right. What, what's wrong with being better? What's wrong with improving yourself? Nothing, but I did it for almost all the wrong purposes. It was, it was almost all for all for the wrong purposes. Um, my purpose, it was compensation for hangups and related to my hurts, right? So most of my hurts came from, I had a really loving family. I was very, very fortunate, but we moved a lot. We moved eight times from between the ages of, of, uh, two to 12. And those are all school years and those are all formative years. I was the new kid five times and, you know, I'm an old guy, so new kids may have it a little different these days. New kids in my day, you were the automatic one to be picked on or ignored or both, right? And my parents, again, I was very fortunate, but both my parents, I'm what they used to call a latchkey kid. I, my parents both worked. So I, they were gone in the morning. I walked to school. I came back from school. Then I was home by myself until they got home from work. So there was a lot of loneliness and an insecurity. I was a small kid. By the way, I'm st- I'm not still not a very big kid. <laughs> I was a small kid. I was the new kid, so a lot of insecurity and a lot of loneliness. And then being the new kid, uh, I understood pretty quickly that the way that you avoid getting messed with is to be liked, right? So that's that 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 right there is kind of center pole. That's the center pole. Um, so I was insecure. I was selfish. And I really developed what I didn't know at that time to be an addiction to approval because that's how I could prove my worth. Uh, I, I got anchored. That was all anchored in hurts of loneliness and getting bullied. Uh, I accepted this distorted truth that my value as a person was correlated to being liked and being affirmed. And it was also a way to keep safe. Bullies don't beat you up when you're friends with them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so Think about that as literally like the capstone to why did I spend my adult life hustling for affirmation? Um, so, so the fly in the ointment ultimately as a, as a young guy and then as an adult is how little conscious knowledge I had of all of these patterns, 
and I'm trained as a clinician, not to be a clinician to me, because <laughs> obviously that formula did not work. <laughs> um, but but I, I had I I very little conscious knowledge of why I hustled so hard for affirmation, why I why sexuality became this thing that was like a uh, 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 a thing of strength and power, masculinity got all kinds of twisted up, right? I had very little conscious knowledge of where that came from. All I did have conscious knowledge of was that I had to get that right in order to feel better about myself. But I also avoided those things. Even when I knew that's the stuff that takes me away from being the man of integrity, which is the goal, right? Uh, yeah, but if people only knew, if people understood what I had to go through, Right. That's part of the lies. That's part of the distortion. We're going to come back to that in the future. So how I applied a lot of self-knowledge, especially as an as an adult, then was it was more justification and minimization of all the hurtful, selfish, exploitive ways that I behave, how I acted, because if people just understood how I felt when I wasn't liked, they would understand that that was the ultimate distortion for me. So if you think about that being the foundation that got laid and then got reinforced over and over and over and over, now you see, we go back to the beginning of my uh, telling the story of the J.J. J. J. Abrams approach, right? Now you see, oh, geez. Yeah. That kind of makes sense, mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of details in there that we don't have time for. Uh, those of you who know my story, you know those details, and I'm glad that you do because the more people who know them walk with me in recovery, and Matt's one of them as well. Um, I I have a sense that somewhere at some point, some, some fella is going to listen to this and go, wow, huh, I'm not the only one, right? Yeah, I'm not the only one. Uh, so that's kind of my story, and thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Todd. There are, um, I, I've heard you share your story before, yeah. and we are not going to, we, we said we're not going to process <laughs> the story, so I'm not going to, but I, I was definitely uh, taking some notes, and we will return to some of those yes, things yes. In, in the future. Um, I'll, I'm, I'm ready to share. Um, my name's Matt, still Matt. Um, hey, still Matt. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go from 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 the beginning, um, and and just talk about a, a little bit about my childhood. I, I grew up in a family that that loved Jesus, went to church every Sunday, um, twice on Sunday, and stayed almost all day. We just lived at the church within the church walls. That's where we were, um, and we looked good. Uh, we were on the worship team. We were heavily involved in, in the life of the church. Uh, we did special music. Remember when they called it special music? Like, did yes, you do I a do. special? Yes, yes. Like, it couldn't be anything else. That was the name <laughs> of the music. It was special. I just, I just thought uh, we, we did special music. We, we, even, we would travel to other churches, like small churches in the Midwest and kind of in this area and uh, do special music services, and, you know, it was the Guevara family. Um, but, but the reality is that there was a lot of dysfunction and pain in our home, and we just never talked about that. That was off limits. That stayed uh, elsewhere. And the truth of the matter is, is that I faced trauma in multiple forms. Almost every environment that I was in for an extended period of time. And uh, there, are, there are moments where I relive that pain and it causes me to weep or will bring up, you know, emotion. Um, and there are times, and I process this with, with many people, Todd, Todd being one of them, but um, where I struggle with that I wouldn't have written my story that way. And... Uh, along the way, there were habits th that formed, um, and part of that, in part of the response to trauma for me, was learning some survival skills. And my survival skill was being able to walk into a room 
and in short order, near immediately, be able to get every person in that room to like me. That's how I made life work. And approval uh, became a easy drug to take. And it very much numbed any pain that I have faced. And uh, as Beth Moore shared in her incredible story a, a few years ago at, at Wheaton College, uh, if you haven't listened to that, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, the church was a place to hide but not to heal. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to hide and find all of that approval that made me feel better, but I wasn't healing there. Um, I will share a, a couple of highlights. Uh, youth group was a was an amazing highlight for me. Um, uh, in particular, being involved in the youth worship band. No one there. Uh, we joked earlier at the beginning of the episode about uh, the, uh, an old church basement. Old church basement, uh, is a, a late uh, release here from Maverick City Music, who I'm a huge fan of, and Dante Bow, who's probably my favorite uh, of the of the worship leaders. I just absolutely love his music, sings the song Old Church Basement, in which he talks about worshiping with, in like a youth group scenario with, you know, 20, 30 students. And and that's what it was like in our church. And we had a youth band and, you know, Ben and Buddy and John and Noel and Lissa and all of these, Ross, you know. And we had this tiny youth band and... Uh, the super touched the natural mm. in those times together. Those were sweet hallelujahs that um, I think really set worship as one of those centering practices for me that that grounds me uh, in my relationship with God and allows me to continue my recovery well. Um, and I recognized that, that I was drawn into worship, then that was... Um, a great practice for me. Another highlight was youth camp because it was a say, I, I didn't realize this until recently. It was, I think the only environment that I spent an extended period of time in that was totally safe. I was never abused there. And that made a world of difference in my life. Um, So much so that I would attend a a week of camp and I would actually go back for one, sometimes, some summers, two weeks to wash dishes at the camp. So all you're doing is spraying, you know, those cafeteria trays that are totally disgusting. If you've never, (laughs) you never sprayed warm, you know, sprayed like a fire hose, of warm water at warm ranch dressing. It is disgusting on many, many levels. <laughs> but I welcomed it because I got to be at camp. Mm-hmm. And I loved to work. Um, work was another easy drug to take to soothe and to survive. And so working was a great thing to do. I got to do that at the camp, but I got to be at the camp and away from all these other environments and in this very, very safe place. And um, I was so grateful for God's goodness in that tan- that physical space of, of that camp. Lakeshore Christian Camp was the name of the, the camp. But here's where some anchors were set deep. And you, it's so interesting. You talked about lies that, that, that you bought into. And, and there were some lies that I believed. I began to believe at a very young age that what mattered was what I built. Mm. So pride was something I was proud of. Mm-hmm. I was proud of it. Uh, I was strong enough to overcome anything on my own. Uh, that was another a lie that was easy for me to buy into. Um, as well as what I looked like on the outside mattered more than what was on the inside. Mm. And so as a result, manipulation, dishonesty, hiding became first nature, not second nature. You know, it was first nature. And uh, I went to work 
you know, I went to the work of doing what I knew allowed me to survive. And I was proud of what I achieved. At the end of it, growing into adulthood, I was proud of what I achieved. Um, and I hit a breaking point. And I think it was, I, I can't remember the exact uh, book by uh, Brene Brown, uh, but she, in, in one of her many books, uh, she said that, you know, those things under the surface that you're holding down, they, they will not stay there forever. They will always find a way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're, if you're tamping them down, eventually they're going to come out in unhealthy ways. Um, I read that book prior to my breaking point, and I think I underlined it as like, oh, Renee Brown would be a great person to, to come speak, you know, at some point at, at a conference that I'm holding. <laughs> um, instead of, wake up, you idiot, you know, like that's me, you know. So that was just, uh, that's, I, I shared that to illustrate just how easy it was for me to just, this is something other. My real story is something other. And I hit a breaking point where all of my struggles broke through the surface that I'd been hiding them under. Um, Being found out at work um, and asked to resign, um, which is a a kind way of saying fired. Mm -hmm. Um, Being found out in my marriage, the character defects that I had just laid bare, being found out by my kids, my habits and choices being laid bare. Um, Eugene Peterson, who's one of my favorite authors and i would say in in many ways through my recovery i was discipled by uh, reading scripture and reading his interpretations Mm. of of scripture um in in many of his books but he said all the water in the ocean cannot sink a boat unless it gets on the inside Hmm. and i was taking water Mm -hmm. over the side and I'll, i'll never forget one of my kids sat me down with my wife uh, and I, and said, hey, you know, Dad, you lied. You told a lie. And, yeah, yeah, I did. The The hardest part was not hearing uh, my child say that I had lied. It was what came next. said, and you taught us to tell the truth. And just seeing the confusion on her face and really coming, that wrecked me. Hmm. that absolutely wrecked me because now I saw the impact of my lack of self-awareness on those that mattered the most to me. And I thought I had it all set up right. Right. I thought I had all the pieces in place. And in particular, I thought I was strong enough, powerful enough to keep it that way so that they could be protected and that I could be in the place of doing exactly what I wanted. And that simply was not the truth. And so I I experienced absolute brokenness. And I came uh, to a few realizations. One, I cannot hide the ugly that Mm. I've done. Um, because we're not in a grip, I'm going to piggyback on something you said, which is that, <laughs> which is that, um, uh, it, it had to do with, um, well, and now I forget what it was that, 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 <laughs> that you said, um, this whole idea of, of not being able to keep it away. Everybody knows now. Everybody. Everybody knows. Yeah. And that was definitely the case with me. Um, everybody knows. And so that so I came hard into that realization that there's no more. There's no more. Okay. Um, uh, a hard realization of principle one. My life was absolutely unmanageable, out of control. I, I, wa- I am not God. And I remember for the first time reading... A life's healing choices and thinking principle one that's like the easiest one of course <laughs> i know that i'm not god that's the one that i return to all the time mm-hmm. um a, a realization of places where that would be safe and that i could heal not hide cr was one 
coming into a local Celebrate Recovery and experiencing uh, recovery with other people, in particular with men, was absolutely awesome. Uh, Counseling, uh, which was a critical part for me in my uh, recovery journey. Uh, Walking into accountability, where questions are being asked. There's relationships with other men who are a support and are pressing their feet into the dirt Mm. next to me and are walking alongside um, in that journey. And I would say there were three significant moments on uh, the way out of Egypt for me. Uh, It would be reading Life's Healing Choices and coming to some realizations, uh, not yet doing any of the real work, Mm -hmm. because I was definitely still thinking of, how do I get over this mm. and get back to my real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that but that was a good start. Um, uh, my first step study, uh, which was monumental in that whole journey, actually doing the work alongside other guys mm-hmm. and seeing God transform things. And it was hard. Yeah. But it was awesome. Um, and then really seeing through the last year, 2020, um, seeing God and knowing God as a healer. Mm. To this, this COVID year, even parenting through pandemic <laughs> and marriage in pandemic and all of it, you know, this, uh, us, there's six people in my house, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Remote learning, the whole thing. I uh, view most of it as an incredible gift from God Mm. to our family. And we were gifted and blessed and saw God heal many things, uh, which was absolutely uh, incredible. I'll I'll close by sharing uh, um, one more thought and then just a verse that I think... um, really speaks to my journey of, of recovery and of self-awareness. The, uh, the, the thought is, uh, going back to, I came into recovery wanting to get back on top to fix the thing, to fix my reputation uh, with my wife, with my kids, with the broader church. I had spent my career serving, and I painfully discovered that that's just not what recovery is. I, I don't know if you remember the old movie, the Jerry Lewis movie, The, the Nutty Professor, not the Eddie Murphy version, yeah. but the Jerry Lewis. At the, at the very end, uh, his dad comes in and is like, it's Kelp's Cool Tonic, you know? And I thought that, I thought recovery would be Kelp's Cool Tonic, you know, that <laughs> I would just, I would get it and get the image back mm-hmm. and fix the things that I didn't like about myself or that now everybody knew. And it's just not that. It's yeah. deep work. It's deep formation. And... Uh, I'll read uh, by, by way of closing my story. Isaiah 62, verse 11 and 12 says, The Lord has made a proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, see your Savior comes. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you will be called sought after, the city no longer deserted. Hmm. And I think for so much of my story, I thought, there's nothing here, so I'll go hmm. build something. Yeah. And the redemption of God, and really, this is an identity verse. What you will be called is sought after hmm. and a city no longer deserted, which is to say inhabited yeah. Right. Yeah. by God. So, yeah. and with that, I'm in. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. That's, that's, so I was also aware, listening to Matt, a little teaser for those of you that are going to stick through this journey with us. There's more to both of our stories, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's new, there's new us and where we are in the episodes and getting things started. We, we didn't spend as much time on the new us. We're going to come back there. Mm -hmm. We're going to come back there. Um, because it's, um, God's, God's. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. 
That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll offer this one little teaser just for everybody, just so anybody's like dying for the rest of the story, right? <laughs> uh, my wife and I just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary last year. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll share something as well. I, I, I talked a, a little bit about what 2020 has been, but probably the biggest highlight was being in a, a counseling session with my wife and having our, our counselor say, um, you've worked really hard over the last couple of years and you have the relationship to show for it. That's beautiful. And not that it was about getting his approval. I, yeah, I don't yeah, think, yeah. But it was no, about just that mile marker. Yeah. And I remember looking at Noel and us both having a knowing look in each other's face like, yeah, that's true for us right now. That's that's awesome. And that is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. You know, like we, we started by by trying to explain what ultimately is the purpose of sharing at least this much of our stories. This is just what I know the whole time listening to you, Matt. And I know like back, both of us, we both know big parts of each other's story, right? right? Just what I know. And I just, I just, I just know this. I just know this confidently in my heart. Somebody's going to hear this. Yeah. Some, some, some fella is going to hear this. And some part of both of our stories or one part of our stories it's going to like, it's going <laughs> to, it's going to be a clanging gong. And I just feel really compelled to share this quickly. Whoever that is, you hear my voice right now. Don't hear us. Don't hear, don't hear Todd and Matt calling you back. Hear the voice that both Matt and I heard, which is the voice of the voice of, of Jesus Christ, who is saying, I don't care where you've been. I know where you've been. I was there. Right. I don't care where you've been. I don't care who you've hurt. I'm ready to love you now as much as I did the day I created you. So just come back. Just come back. Don't hear us saying that. Don't hear us saying that. And the last thing I'll just say quickly is if somebody's listened to this and you're breaking, find somebody you trust, find a pastor, find a CR. Just just be bold. Please be bold enough to know that there are men like Matt and I, because Matt and I have had men like Matt and I in our recovery and in our story, they're there, they're waiting. Christ will show up. I know from personal experience that when I finally said, okay, God, I don't have any answers. He was there immediately, immediately. So if you're breaking and you know it, just find somebody, find somebody and and let him in. Yeah. Let him in. You don't have to keep taking water over the side. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it feels like it will never stop. I can coming. bail. I can bail. I can bail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and meanwhile, the bill just going. Yeah. Right. We're done. We're done. We're That's done. right. Yeah. That's right. Well, we're going to continue this uh, conversation in our next episode and uh, process a, a little bit uh, of our yeah. story. And we're so glad that you joined us for the Recovery Guys podcast. We hope that you continue this journey with us. With that, take care.